Four more days till Halloween, Halloween, Halloween. Four more days till Halloween, hack or slash. Pew, 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 pew. Sent with lasers. Greetings and salutations, and welcome to Hacker Slash. If you're joining us again, welcome back to Halloween. The clock is ticking. It's almost time. If this is your first time listening, though, welcome to our party. We are a horror movie review podcast dedicated to telling you whether a movie is a hack, a total joke, a waste of time, or a slash. Totally killer. Pun intended. We believe horror is for everyone, and as such, we're rating these movies with the perspective we've gained from our varying walks of life and the flavors of fear we fancy most. My name is Chris, and I'm your friendly neighborhood slasher enthusiast. This week, I'm joined by the Superfly Space Guy, Mac. Hola, muchachos. The Gore Lover, Alexis. Hey, everyone. The Cowardly Creeper, Ryan. Happy Halloween. And the Scream Queen, Paris. I ain't got no diseases. Mind if I have a drink? It's go time for the Halloween spirit, and to set the mood, we're checking out the third installment in the iconic franchise. The one everyone forgets about because it's not about Michael Myers. Before we get to the trick-or-treating, though, we have some follow-up. We do have some follow-up, Chris. Uh, we recently asked our friends how they felt about Night of the Living Dead. Uh, we recently reviewed the 1968 version as well as the 1990 remake, and we wanted to figure out like which version was better regarded amongst our fans. It turns out 60% of listeners prefer the original to the remake. Damn right they do. I'm not surprised at all. I'd like to note that's pretty close to the middle. Thank you so much. Uh, but it's more than 50-50. <laughs> but close. 51% is close. <laughs> we also have a couple comments from our friends. Darren on Facebook said, Great episode, guys. I rewatched the 1990 remake straight after listening and was surprised just how well it holds up. Both are slashes all the way. Nice, Darren. Thank you. We also have a comment from Jordan on Twitter who said, The fact that this poll is so close gets under my skin. The OG is very important for film history in many ways, and the remake, which isn't bad, lacks what the OG accomplishes, in my opinion. That's a great point right there. Although I think it's still wonderful. It doesn't have that same hard-hitting impact of the original. And then we have another comment from Anna who said, I could taste the meat and chocolate sauce while watching the original. Mm. Both are slashes for me. And that was like a very visceral comment for me to read. I'm curious now, like, did the colorized version have to color the chocolate sauce red to make it look like blood? Guess you gotta watch it to find out. Nope, I'm good. And that's our follow up. All right. Well, this week we have something slightly less gross, but still might make you squirm. We're covering the moment when the Halloween franchise departed from the Michael Myers storyline to take on a slightly more anthological approach. Following the fiery demise of Michael in the 1981 release of Halloween 2, John Carpenter and Deborah Hill were now free to take the franchise in the direction they intended by making an entirely different film, one which was relevant to the Halloween holiday but not bound by the story they felt they had already told to its completion. This movie treats the 1978 Halloween as a fictional movie within its universe, so it makes you feel like it could happen in ours. And instead, it tells the tale of an effort to spoil a nefarious plot centered on bringing harm to children across the country. This week, we're talking about Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, The Night No One Comes Home. Who among you has seen this before? I definitely have, uh, multiple times. <laughs> I'm not surprised, and also not surprising, I have not. <laughs> hey, Ryan, I also hadn't seen this before. Proud of you. Welcome. I have not. You and I, Chris, we, we talked about this a little bit where I was wary about watching it because I wasn't sure. It, it seemed like something you were kind of a bit weird about, but then you said it's still good, but it's just different. So I just kind of held off on it until it was time for the for the pod. Right. I didn't want to like sway you in one direction or the other. It's one that I've seen before, but not until I watched it on my own as an adult. 
Growing up in the Rojas household, we were strictly a Michael Myers family, and this movie wasn't one that ever made it to the TV. All my siblings had seen it, so I already knew going in that it had nothing to do with Michael Myers, something I know disappointed them when the movie first came out. Of course, I'm the youngest among them. My oldest brother was born in 1975, so they're like in the prime age of like expecting more from this. I did benefit a ton from that, though, because it eliminated any impossible expectations I could have had and instead left space for me to appreciate all the subtle ties to the previous movies and still allowing me to absorb its own identity. What were you folks expecting? So, Paris, I don't know if you were like me. I didn't know that Michael Myers wasn't in this movie. And I can 100% assure you that Chris has told me this before and has talked <laughs> about this before. I know for sure that's a fact, but some things just don't absorb into this little brain that i have um so i expected michael myers <laughs> you did get him i mean you got some of him i got something i got masks i actually did remember chris mentioning that this is where the franchise kind of takes a departure so i did not go into it expecting michael myers but as a result of that i kind of went to went into this expecting nothing at all i knew that there was no michael myers because we had talked about this several times so my expectations were based on kind of a couple things that I've heard from you and a couple of things that I've just seen across the web, but I really didn't know much. I didn't know like what, you know, how this was going to feel, what the kills were going to be like. I knew a little bit about the plot. And so I was just kind of like, all right, let's like, I'll jump in and I'll see what happens. But I just didn't know what, what might come my way. That's fair. I think one of the things that stood out for me was how much of a great time I had watching this movie when I first saw it. I personally love the London Bridge Silver Shamrock jingle, something that I think a lot of people get annoyed by very easily. And I think the masks are really cool. And I also love that you can actually now buy these masks from Trick or Treat Studios. So I'm going to have some links down in the show notes. They look pretty damn accurate. My only down point, I think, like in terms of a lull while watching this was, I'm going to get a lot of hate for this. I know, I know everyone loves Tom Atkins. And I do admire Tom Atkins. He was fun in Creepshow. Well, he was a dick in Creepshow. Um, I enjoyed him in John Carpenter's The Fog. But I find him a little creepy in the predatory sense. So it was very much like a man's man who seduces younger women swiftly yes. and without any real consideration yes. to whether their connection makes sense. So, I mean, apart from his character groping women, I had a really good time. It's a solid, mysterious adventure while infusing elements of like sci-fi and horror to add intrigue and dread. But how are you folks feeling? Man, Chris, I'm uh, here once again to agree with a lot of your feelings here. I think there's some like really fun parts of this movie. Like I I love the masks. The masks are awesome. And I think uh, there's like this part of me that's sad because we live in a time where like these masks wouldn't really stand out. It's like a witch mask, a pumpkin mask. Like you see a pumpkin mask all the time. But like in the 80s, I'm like, I got a pumpkin mask. Like I just wish I could be that kid. You know, <laughs> maybe not this pumpkin mask. Um, so... <laughs> I have the same feelings about like a lot of fun elements of this and then also not liking Tom Atkins. Uh, I am here to tell you all that Tom Atkins is not the Tom Selleck of your dreams. Okay. He's, he's just not, he doesn't do it for me. I feel like he's like not attractive enough to pull off the like slightly creepy things that he does, which, you know, maybe it shouldn't have to do with his attractiveness, but you know, it does, you know, we're just going to be honest here. And if, if you have to ask a girl how old she is before you have sex with her. After you have sex with her. Either one. No. At his age, I think maybe you should decide to stay in another room. And I honestly, he was like 
the thing that distracted me during this entire movie. So that's how I was feeling, distracted, mostly. Wait, was was it his age that was the problem or the, the way that he asked her or was it her response, I'm older than I look? Because uh, that's also yes. a bad part of that conversation. Both were very creepy. And also, uh, I'm not against Tom Selleck. I'm on the Tom Selleck train. He was a very handsome man. So whatever that tells you. So basically you wish Tom Selleck was in this instead of Tom Atkins. I wouldn't be mad if Tom Selleck said, how old are you? <laughs> I second that. Oh, Ryan. <laughs> but like now Tom Selleck also, not like then, because he was young then, you know. Anyway, all right, I'm done being creepy. <laughs> Honestly, it felt like there were times when I was like, did Tom Atkins write this script so that he could like get naked with this girl? Because uh, it felt very like predatory, like you guys are saying. Um, but overall, I like went into this movie feeling pretty hopeful. And there were like a lot of like, what the fuck moments, uh, some for better, some for worse. Yeah, I definitely had that. And I've seen this plenty of times. And I don't know, maybe it was the mood I was watching it in. Or I don't even know. I, I get excited about this movie. I like it a lot. And this time I felt like a, a tad bit bored. Um, and I was like, wait, why is this my favorite movie? And then there's some parts that I'm like, okay, this is why it's one of my favorites. I wouldn't say my all time favorite, but it's definitely an enjoyable watch. But yeah, I was kind of a little bit bored in the beginning watching it. The pacing kind of threw me off. I don't think I could side on, on, on boredom, but I also don't think I could get to the like WTF moments that you got to Paris. I definitely had those moments where I was like, so that's what we're doing now. Okay, then, because there's some weird stuff in here for me, like plot wise and even like the the chemistry that they try to completely omit while faking it on screen, I was like, oh, that I didn't know that was a thing. These characters are together and I don't understand why. This is really weird. Some people mourn death in ways that uh, he may not expect. And this movie <laughs> exemplifies that. Yeah. So it was, it was, it's an interesting watch for me. I, I don't, I don't think it was a boring watch at all though. I mean, it's, it's not like as heightened a sense of fear that you would get from another Halloween movie, though. It's a very different feeling movie. Honestly, it seems like it could be a movie that they made and they just like give it a completely different title. And, yeah. And they would have been, in my mind, more successful with it. Even the filmmakers behind it knew that, believe you me. Uh, so Tommy Lee Wallace knew and anticipated the backlash they would get because of the title and because of the expectation from Halloween 2. But he fought like hell to get Season of the Witch to just be the title. And the studios were like, no, we're cashing in on Halloween. You know what would have been genius? The word Halloween backwards. Season of the Witch. Perfect. So it's like tied. A studio gets what they want because studios always get what they want. And then we get a movie that isn't expected to be Halloween. Uh, you know? Yeah. Nila Wach. Yeah, Nilo. That's the name of the company. That could be the name of the company. It's perfect. Oh, I was like, huh? How do you say this backwards? I don't. I didn't think about that part. That's why I let you guys do it. <laughs> no, that's okay. That's okay. And we're all in our heads, like, well, it's good. So, I, mean, I think that's one of the shames. Though it's like this movie is one of those, like, why didn't they call it something else? And the creator of the movie is like, I wish we could have called it something else. Uh, contracts. Yeah, legally binding shit. Crazy. I think one of the bigger surprises for me, though, was just how much Halloween spirit is in this movie. And I'm not even talking about the spirit of the holiday. I'm talking about the quality of filmmaking and the nods to the prior film. So for it being completely nothing to do with Michael Myers, for it being totally separate from that, there's still so much of that energy in here for me in less of a sinister way and more of like a stylistic approach that I'm really surprised it got quite the backlash it did 
as you watch this, folks, keep your ears perked and your eyes peeled. So see how many of these little nods that you can find. I have a list that we're going to unpack uh, in the spoiler zone so we can compare and contrast after you watch it. But what surprised you folks? I'm surprised that it's positioned, honestly, as, you know, Halloween 1, Halloween 2, were like movies in this universe. Because I feel like it could be the other way around because this one is a bit more fantastical than the other ones. You know, I, Halloween 1 and 2 and, and of course, later Michael Myers movies occasionally seem more grounded in reality where you're afraid of something that is real because it's like a person and they're, they're hunting you. And this one was like a, a very big departure. And obviously we, we don't get a Michael Myers and that's fine, but there's, there's more of a fear of like this unknown and, and what's going on. And there's just, you know, who are these people? And there's, it seems like there's a conspiracy. We don't know, but you know, in, in the other movies where you have Michael Myers, you're just afraid of a person that can really hurt you. I know in some of the installments, he's a bit superhuman and everything. And that's, and that's pretty cool. But it is, it is such a big difference for me to move on to more of a sci-fi feel. Yeah, I feel the same way. Um, I thought it was weird how they kind of positioned this, the franchise in this movie. I thought they would be doing it a different way, actually having Michael Myers be in this i'm trying to describe it without giving away spoilers but i think the way they like intertwined it was more was completely different than i probably would have wanted or enjoyed i totally feel that i was surprised uh mostly by how far this movie departed from the previous installments but there were a lot of other surprises for me throughout the film and most of them are spoiler related um but one was actually probably just my fault um like you know how you know how we all have like lapses in knowledge? Like there'll be like common sense things that everybody knows that you like missed that day of school for. Never. I've never had that. Ever. Telling analog time for me. <laughs> yes. So there was, there was something that was revealed about, about something we all know. And I was like, huh? And then I looked it up and I was like, oh, wow. I had no idea. Uh, so I was very surprised by that. Mm, literally can't wait to figure out what you're talking about. It's yeah. embarrassing. <laughs> so confused right now but we're all good for me uh, this is silly obviously i was surprised michael myers wasn't in this movie okay it is what it is i'm not gonna shy away from uh, how silly that is of me but that's that i also was surprised by uh the gore that's used in this movie for lack of a better term um it's really uh interesting and i i'm excited to like talk more about it but there's a lot of creepy things that happening and happened in this movie so um that was that was actually like a, a, a bright point for me oh interesting like to see some spicy you know i feel that and one thing to, that's important to remember is this this movie suffers especially if you're watching this now and you know that there's an entire franchise built off the lore of michael myers but i mean john carpenter and deborah hill didn't even want to make halloween 2 in their minds Halloween one was it. That was the end of it. It wasn't, there wasn't going to be anything else. John Carpenter hammered out that script, drinking a six pack of beer and just forced himself to get through it. Their ultimate goal was to make a different film. They wanted to just, for it to always be like Halloween one, that's its own story. Uh, Halloween three season of the witch would be the second story. Uh, So on and so forth. But then you know, when you have something as critically successful as Halloween 1978 is that spawns this incredible wave of slasher films, like trying to imitate it, 
of course, no studio in their right mind is going to walk that back, right? Uh, Mustafa Akkad and Erwin Yablin say they wanted to continue that story. And especially with the way that slashers had transformed after the release of Halloween to bring it to the level of gore that we see in Halloween 2, that was important for them. So it sucks. I mean, John Carpenter has so much incredible work. If you were to take this as Tommy Lee Wallace's directing debut and separate it from everything, absolutely, I think it would have been received differently. But I mean, I I feel like this movie just deserves a second chance, honestly. It it deserves better than it got. I have a question and and I'm please enlighten me if I'm wrong here. Has there ever been another set of movies that's an anthology, but the entire movie is one? Like, you know what I mean? We usually see like Creep Show where the anthologies are mixed together in one movie. Are there other is there any other series that's separate for each movie? I'm not aware of one. I can't think of one either. Well, we had to wait a couple decades for the home box office to become what it is now to get anthology TV shows. Because now we have these like hour, sometimes even longer episodes of shows that, you know, could be like their own, you know, movies, each one, but we get a whole season and then boom, season two happens and it's completely different, but somehow tied in and related. Yeah. I'm just curious because it's just interesting to me. I had no idea that like it was intended from the beginning for this to be like an anthology setup. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just find it really interesting and wasn't sure if there was something else that I didn't know of. It was something different and they were far ahead of their time. Or it was a bad idea. (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) I love the point you're bringing up here, Ryan. Um, And if you're listening to this podcast and you can think of something that fits what we're talking about, call into the hotline because that would be great to know about. Yeah, I'm I'm very curious because I'm sure there's something we're missing or even something outside of horror that's like that. I just can't think of anything um, because I don't know much. (laughs) That's okay. I think the more pressing question at the moment is, were you scared, Ryan? Mm, Almost 0%. Yeah, not scared. Yeah. Uh, not even uns- unsettled and nothing it was just entertaining but unsettled by something but not scared at all <laughs> paris i too was not scared um but i wouldn't say zero percent i'd say like 15 percent because there were okay a couple moments one in particular where i was like oh what the fuck is that now uh and i didn't like that but it ended pretty quickly i'm cool with that i'm cool with that 15 percent complete contradiction <laughs> obviously not not scared but perturbed about the treatment of a certain type of people, I guess you could say. And we'll talk more about in the spoiler section. Your people? My people. (laughs) Yeah, your people indeed. So this movie isn't frightening. People going in expecting the title are probably going to think, oh man, is there going to be another moment where I'm as terrified as when Michael Myers comes out of the darkness to Lori after she discovers the body of Nancy? But one thing I think Dean Cundy and Tommy Lee Wallace do particularly well is still capture Michael Myers' vibe. And I feel like, I don't know if I'm just crazy I don't understand how this movie can be shit on so thoroughly without acknowledging the little moments that we get that are very much like Michael Myers, especially in the the way of a certain group of characters in this movie, in the way that they're filmed, in the framing of their shots and following them as they move through the world and in terms of the way they were directed to move. But I think the benefit of that is that this movie still feels very different from anything I've seen. You know, break down the individual elements. Sure, we've seen similar movies in the past, but this package this final product feels so uniquely halloween that i'm a i'm a fan i totally agree chris i felt like the originality of this movie was uh unlike anything that i have seen thus far um it felt like every teen or 20 minutes they took another turn that i wasn't expecting which added to the element of surprise for my experience but also in the end i was like wow is there any other movie that 
even tried to do what this movie ended up doing. And I can't think of one. Yeah, I agree. I feel like this was original when it was made. I feel like it's original now. It doesn't, I, I can't think of anything that's like this. And the the way that the story goes, like the creepy bits of the story are really fun and really cool. And um, I've, I've definitely never seen anything like it that I can think of. Definitely reminds me of something off Goosebumps, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Very Goosebumps. <laughs> but does Goosebumps remind you of this? That would actually be correct because this was out before... <laughs> <laughs> there you go. It is like that creepy vibe, though. But yeah, no, I think it's super original. Um, that's kind of pretty much why I like this movie is I haven't seen anything like it before. and But it also has like nods, so Halloween franchise. So I appreciate that. But it does it in its own like little way. So you could watch this and not even think besides some of the obvious touches but um but you wouldn't know it was in the same like uh universe somebody tweet at arl stein and find out if he likes this movie oh yes <laughs> actually not a bad idea i'm on it 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 does have that feel though of things like goosebumps or even like the outer limits or you know those other honestly talking about anthologies other types of like sci-fi anthologies where you get this like encapsulated idea spread out throughout either a TV show or even like an entire film sometimes. So it is, it is kind of its own unique feeling movie, which is, which is cool. Cause I'm a fan of sci-fi and that's just, that's just who I am. So it, it was interesting to see this be its own thing and not be what we all expected, which was okay. Halloween, but not Halloween. They took its own, you know, it's got its own feeling. And then we, we ran for an hour and a half or hour and 35 or whatever it was. Yeah. On that note, Mac, I feel like uh, we haven't talked about this in a long time. I feel like a year ago, all we ever talked about, not all we ever talked about, but we spent a lot of time talking about how long the movie's runtime was, especially because Alexis hates everything over an hour and a half. Yeah, this was over. I would like to note, and I know that there are some movies that are like two hours or so, an hour and a half really is the perfect amount of time for a movie. And uh, this is, I mean, this one's pretty close. It's not bad. And every time I see something more than like an hour 35, hour 40, I'm like, oh, how dare they? So, you know. <laughs> the audacity. How dare all these filmmakers put that much hard work into this movie? God bless them. I say that because as I got to the end here, I was like just anticipating it. Just like there's a, at the end of this movie, you're just like waiting to see what happens. And for me, it was pretty good. I liked it. What did you guys think? I definitely liked it. Um, it's one of my favorite, better parts of this movie uh, is the last 30. But yeah, I like it because it builds up this, like, you're like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And it literally leads you until the scene before the credits. And you're still like, WTF is happening. What happened? What could have happened? Yeah. So I, I, I like that kind of like build up and in intensity. Yeah. I wish there had been one more scene. One more scene at the end. It could have been a literally 10 second scene. It would have been great. You're, you're so funny because in the beginning, they, you know, thought there was going to be an end that included a little bit more. Ooh. Not some, a lot. Is this some free factor fiction, but no fiction? Correct. Free facts coming straight from Chris's brain through mine into the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for citing your source. <laughs> you're welcome. School taught me well, you know. I like the ending. It's, it's very different. And I like to imagine... The ending, I know some people think it's kind of open. I like to think it's very, it's a very closed ending and you know exactly what happens at the end, at least if your brain works in the same way as mine. So I like it because I think part of, you know, part of the terror that we feel in some of these movies, it's so small scale 
that it's like, oh, this individual person is has some harm at risk. But I like when you get to that point where it's like monumental. It's like Order 66 level. Oh, I love you for citing that. Thank you. I didn't get it at all. It's a Star Wars reference. It's the order uh, that is given to all the clone troopers. So they all turn on and kill all the Jedi in the galaxy. Ah, uh, Yes, of course. Oh, I see. I do get that, actually. <laughs> it is the, one of the most haunting moments in cinema, in my opinion. I feel bad because I felt like this movie kind of dragged for me. It was an hour and a half, but it, it felt like a longer hour and a half than some that we've seen. But I will agree that like the last 30 really picked up uh, and you kind of get I guess the the action that you were looking for throughout the movie, you kind of get a lot of it uh, made up for at the end. Mm, see, I felt great about the pacing all the way up until the last 30 when there's one pocket of time that just this moment just feels like it's dragging on forever. And it's like you want it to end and then all of a sudden it's not ending and someone's coming back and it's just really, really frustrating to me. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. That was some bullshit. But the end end, I thought was stellar. It had a very sudden ending, which I love. And there is an alternate ending to this movie, one that didn't make the cut, but it is one that is in the novelization of this movie. And whew, I think I almost would have preferred that as much as I like this one. So I can't wait to talk about it. But we got some scoring to do. We have to, to figure out where this movie stands in history with our team. But before we do that, Alexis, what's our body count? I'm happy to report that this is um, a number I haven't seen in a long time or this high of a number. Um, so we have 30 kills in this movie. That's very high. But were any of them animals? Man, Halloween is going great for our animal report. We are good to go. Once again, there are some things in this movie and there are no animal kills on screen, though. Excellent. Well, let's go ahead and get down into the scoring then. Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, The Night No One Comes Home from 1982. Was it a hacker slash? Well, here's the thing. Uh, this movie is very meh to me. And I know that some people here love it. And I very often feel guilty when I don't like things that I think Chris loves because I love Chris. And I don't want her to be disappointed in me as a human. Just don't trash on the 1978 Halloween and we're good. Anything else is fine. <laughs> I mean, this is in the franchise, so I'm scared. But I just have very few feelings about this movie. The things that I like the most are like the extra stuff. And I didn't really care for the characters and their stories. I enjoyed like where they went and what they did. And that was cool, I guess. But uh, I, I, it's so weird. I almost can't even give this like a hack or a slash because I kind of don't care at all about it. And it's not even because it's like bad. It's not that bad, but it's like, in my opinion, also not that good, but not that bad. I don't know. It's a soft hack. I don't feel right saying Slash. It's funny you say like people's favorite movie here and you go to Chris because Chris and I have had this conversation before. I know. <laughs> I learned that since we started this. Yeah. And I'm sorry. I love you. No, no, no. no. It's okay. Um, I actually got a realization this other, this million time watching this again because i was like oh. i'm so stoked about what i mean it's not been a million but it's mm -hmm. it's something i definitely feel like i watch every halloween because mm -hmm. i feel like i get up in the halloween franchise up to like three or four and then i stop um, <laughs> so she doesn't really make it through the halloween franchise she watches the first two good yeah, films yeah. before she gets to the questionable stuff before she gets to the other questionable stuff it's fine. And then watch 2018. <laughs> yes, exactly. And then go there. It's an okay exit point, which we will discuss next week. Exactly. Yes. And so watching this for the nth time, like, I'm just kind of like, I think it was a pacing that just really threw me off in this movie. I was like, 
and I hate movies where it's like nothing until action packed in the last 30. Like I hate that. But the thing is, there's like this time like I can appreciate because it's not necessarily, in my opinion, packed with character development because I did not like Dan. He was just not my he was not my kind of guy. But um, didn't but do it for you. Yes, he did. Dan did not do it for me. I, I can truly appreciate it for this movie for what it's worth. And I do love the end so much. I love these masks. I love the ambiance that this whole movie sets. It just makes me feel like I'm in Hall. Like I'm just like in Halloween town. Like not the actual movie on Disney, but but something like a little bit more darker. Um, so I don't know. I, I like this movie aside from the pacing, but I'm still going to give it a slash. I will be honest. I had to watch the original Halloween and Halloween 2 before watching this because I had not seen them before. So one, this was a fun week for me. Uh, it's like, as we're recording this, it's like the second week of October, watching three Halloween movies back to back. I really enjoyed it overall. Um, I found that the more I drank, the better the movies were for me. Uh, so I went into this one and I was like, okay, let's get some Grand Marnier and uh, have a good time. And I definitely did have a good time. I found that the things that I liked the most about the movie, though, were like tertiary or like subplot related. Um, and like the main characters, I didn't like them. The main plot, uh, it was okay. It got better at the end, but overall I was like, eh. I tried to judge this movie on its own without comparing it to the other Halloween movies just because I knew what I was in for. Um, but I don't think that as a standalone movie, this would get a slash from me. I have, if you guys don't know, I have a Trapper Keeper with gold stars that has all of my my slashes in it, and this one did not make the cut. Halloween Three: Season of the Witch is a hack. All right, so we're talking about sci-fi. I love sci-fi. Treat the movie on its own, of course, and and enjoy that for what it is, which is cool. I had no trouble with the pacing. I don't even know where you guys found issue with that because I felt it was perfectly timed. It's only an hour and a half. It didn't really feel sluggish to me. So I'm I'm feeling pretty good about that part, but I'm here to disappoint. This movie has a ridiculous plot that could have been lifted out of a bad Outer Limits episode. Chemistry between poorly developed main characters that's so random and so bad that it felt wrong to watch. And worst of all, it was a horrible idea to try and to fail to abandon the timelessness that is Michael Myers. In my book, this is a whoopsie daisy, we shouldn't have made this kind of hack. I'm surprised. I I was thinking you would hack it, but then I was like, no way, he'll slash it. And I would have guessed three slashes and two hacks. Mm. That's fair. That's that's a fair guess. It did feel wrong to watch. Here's the thing. Michael Myers is timeless because we've all benefited from the time and distance from the original Halloween. So Michael Myers has aged like fine wine and he has done so despite having some pretty shitty movies in the franchise and ones that I unconditionally love, even if they are shitty. This, of course, doesn't have one, right? So this is one that I knew not to expect Michael, but I didn't expect to necessarily like it. I will say it's a shame that this movie gets the hate that it does, again, because it's, a, in my opinion, a good movie in its own right. Yes, the characters are a problem. Yes, Tom Atkins is a predatory problem for me in this movie, but that's pretty par for the course for him. If you've seen The Fog, this is kind of similar. It has a solid blend of mystery, adventure, and horror. This felt like a D&D campaign almost. Like when you are suddenly open up a room and try to talk to someone and you're suddenly given information from NPCs down in the back alley. Like this feels like a D&D campaign. But here's the thing, and this is why it's a slash for me. It has a really sinister plot. 
Horror movies seldom target children exclusively. So when you put them at the center of the terror, the stakes are really, really high, especially in Halloween movies, because Michael Myers doesn't kill children until the 2018 Halloween. It just feels a little more evil within the focal point of the evil, as opposed to the collateral damage to it. And yeah, sure, there's no Michael Myers, but eh, fuck it. It has enough of the spirit for me, so it's a slash. And with that, the tables have turned from Ryan's expectations, and we have two slashes and three hacks for Halloween 3 Season of the Witch. I'm so (laughs) proud that I could be wrong. (laughs) And hey, I may have hacked this, but I'm excited to talk about it. Oh yeah, it's going to be a good conversation for sure. I I do think this movie is is underrated, and I know we have a lot of listeners who also feel that same way, so I'm excited for the conversation. You can find this movie streaming online, and even with the hacks that we've gotten, it sounds like there are some reasons to watch it, if not for dialogue alone. So, we'll see you in a bit. Happy Halloween, trick-or-treaters. Get your amazing masks for candy hunting this year from Bronze Shamrock. Why spend all the extra money on silver when you can take the economical option and still get a mostly great mask? No fancy latex here, just pure American-made Votex. It's cheaper, thinner, and only slightly more uncomfortable. But it makes for cheap masks. Mask up as a spooky potato, an angry wizard, or change things up with a fully painted Leonard Nimoy mask. Good enough is good enough this Halloween with Bronze Shamrock. Welcome back, folks. You are now entering the spoiler zone for Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. The 1982 film has received a little less hate as of late, but it still only earned two slashes on our panel with three hacks. We have a lot to get to here, but before we get into the specifics, Alexis, what's the gore score for this movie? I'm going to put in perspective. The Halloween franchise is not as gory, which is one of the reasons I'm sure why Chris likes it so much. (laughs) It's a bonus. It's a plus. It's um, on the plus side. It doesn't need it. <laughs> exactly. This movie, I think, tried to be different from that, but still be in- intertwined and be a part of this franchise. I don't think it was as crazy as it could have been. I think they kept it pretty subtle. And some points I was like, yeah, like I want to see this like stabbing. And I didn't at all. Like I just saw, you know, the drill, especially Teddy, like the drill coming down. Yes. And I didn't see it. And I was like, damn, I really thought I was going to. So like, in my opinion, it it's kind of relatively low in certain aspects. I mean, you do have this like, I don't know what came out first, Aliens or this movie, but I have the, you know, the guy on that one where he's all split in half. And it's like a thing that there's no blood. It's green. It's like green gushy. It's like milky. It's milky. And, oh, green yeah, But milk. this one, it's like orangey. Uh, Alien and Phantasm both preceded this movie. Yeah. This one gave me the Phantasm vibes for that, that yellow orange blood that baby food i was thinking mustard but yes same same (laughs) (laughs) same same but different the another aspect that i really do appreciate that goes into um, one of my favorite deaths is um buddy jr's Uh, one it was a very satisfying death he he was so annoying Buddy Jr.'s the fucking spawn of Satan. (laughs) (laughs) oh my god you spoil little brat but um yeah i love this like and granted, I know the craft came after this movie, but like I love the whole use of like, you know, because I'm not sure what was going to come out of this head. And I love that they were able to have that come out. I was like, oh, my gosh, that's so interesting. These bugs, these um, 
creatures, these snakes. Snakes longer than his whole body. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, how the hell did that happen? But like, especially like when the girl's zapped in the face, laser pointed at <laughs> through like some sci-fi thing. I don't know what was happening there. Those effects are crazy. But she had that bug come out of her. And I've never seen that bug before. I was like, what kind of bug is that? I had that same question. What, what was that? Oh my gosh, you guys, I know exactly what bug that is. That's called a potato bug. What? Okay, that's not a roly poly. That was not a roly poly. No, 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 no. A potato bug is a roly poly. No. Mm, never heard of that before. It's not a roly poly. It's a potato bug. And that was actually my favorite kill. We started the month with cockroaches and palmetto bugs, and now we're at potato bugs and roly polies. Why do you know that, Paris? Because it's one of the other like small number of bugs that I absolutely hate so much. And that's partially why that was like my favorite kill. Because it was a bug you like. Yeah, well, no, it was a bug I hate. Like the uh, freaking creep show roach monstrosity that we just watched. But seeing Marge get like blasted by a laser beam right in the mouth was like so unexpected. And I was like, oh, what the fuck? And the way that they like showed her mouth like peeled open, I was like, oh, shit. Like at first I laughed because I was like, what the hell's going on? That was so random. And then I was like, oh, and then the potato bug crawled out and I was like, oh, fuck that. Absolutely not. Also, it was like the like she got the zap and then she's like still alive. Yeah. A little bit like twitching and you're just like, oh, my God, the horror. Like, what if she's just like laying there alive with those injuries? Like mouth blasted, potato bugs spitting. Mouth blasted. Not the way I want to go. Speaking of mouth blasting, that's actually uh, not my favorite kill. But the one that is my favorite kill is the one that was Starker, who was brought to his knees in a vaguely blowjobish kind of scene. Before being decapitated. That was vaguely blowjobish. I'm glad you said it because I didn't want to be the one to bring it up. Here it is. Honestly, all the kills by them were like a little bit awkward. At the beginning, we get like a an awkward straddling and then we get a yes. awkward decapitation. There's like a few things where you're just like, why are you guys so like weird in the way you do stuff? It was like 10% homoerotic. Because they're robots. Yeah, homoerotic robots. <laughs> they have that programming. For me, it was Marge. I really enjoyed a bunch of these deaths. Like to me, the kills in this movie are the best part of the movie. Um, but definitely Marge for me. Like you did not expect that to happen at all from that little uh, coin um, from the mask, and it's like she's just like kind of messing with it, and then all of a sudden you get the freaking psycho laser that just blasts her head open. Basically, um, I will say when Buddy Junior dies. I was like, I don't understand what these masks do. I don't get the powers because what happened to Buddy Jr. has no relation to what happened to Marge. And then later they went back to the Marge strategy of lasers. (laughs) Um, So I was like a little confused about some of that. But like these kills are fun through and through, honestly. They're diverse. Yeah. I just want to add, Ryan, I feel like there's something impactful about the first time laser beams are introduced to a movie that up to that point has no laser beams. Yes. And then afterwards, it's just like, okay, more lasers. (laughs) Yeah. Like, remember Chopping Mall? We were not expecting that laser beam kill. And then when it happens, you're like, oh, shit, there's lasers? (laughs) Yes, lasers. I unfortunately (laughs) do remember that. Pew, 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 pew. And wish I didn't. (laughs) Sent with lasers. More lasers and more head explosions. My favorite kill is the one that to me seemed the most like Halloween style, which was Teddy getting drilled in the head. That was a good one. Still wish you would have saw it. See, I liked it because it was like, you know, it's like a killer utensil. And was it in the other room? Did they bring it with them? I don't even know. But it was the most like, you know, killer coming from the darkness and then like secretly like, boom, you're dead. 
you know, it's a really stupid thing that I did. I spent a significant amount of time staring at the drill thinking, man, drills back then were so different. Which is <laughs> 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 just a weird part of my character right now. <laughs> what a word worker you are. I, so uh, he picked it up. <laughs> I significantly remember that scene. Can we talk about when the robot like reached into the eye sockets and like ripped the bridge of the nose off? Yeah, broke the skull. That was intense. What the fuck was that? Very intense. And then also the audacity to just wipe. Okay, first off, let me set the scene here. We have an android something, right? That isn't alive. (laughs) That is clearly set to kill this man. He chases him into the hospital, sticks his fingers into his eye sockets, pulls the bridge of his nose out, breaking his nose, has leather gloves on, and then has the audacity to wipe the glove clean. (laughs) Not a human once again, so doesn't even matter if his hands are dirty, but much less his glove, Uh and then get in the car. (laughs) To kill himself and burn everything. What was the point of cleaning your hands? That was a gag too. You could have just taken the glove off. It was the programming. And that nurse came in and caught him and she was like, what the fuck are you doing? Wiping that on those nice curtains. And then she's just like, oh, okay, I'm going to back up and you're going to get out of my way. Yeah. (laughs) Those poor androids, though. I mean, okay, programmed to kill, just completely misused. They could have been living lives of learning how to be human and learning how to give love. And instead, they're just used to take people out and then self-immolate. And that's horrible. I mean, they learn to drive and chase. So they learn something. They're also more than half of the body count. So clearly no one gave a shit about the automatons. Yes, I completely agree. They're just obliterated. They make good fodder. There is a very fun fan theory that I would like to give credence to as we enter the next phase of Halloween movies. There is this idea that if Halloween had not been set as a fictional movie in this universe, that Michael Myers could be an android by the Silver Shamrock Company. And I personally would like to think that maybe little Michael Myers, when he killed Judith, had a experimental Silver Shamrock mask. All fun little fan fiction theories. I'm not mad at that. I love that headcanon. It's like the Halloween multiverse. Exactly. And I mean, really, this franchise goes in so many different directions that there are already multiple universes. What's one more universe where this shit happens? Mac, you were saying that earlier that one of those kills felt the most Halloween-ish to you. I'd actually like to take some time to go over all the connections that this movie has to the prior films, if you guys are cool with that. This is going to be fun. Yeah, I love when you do this. Yep, can't wait. So first off, we're going to go to like the most obvious to maybe not necessarily the least obvious in order, but some fun ones. So first up, the film's tagline is, The Night No One Comes Home. So this was a play on the originals, The Night He Came Home. The movie begins with a jack-o'-lantern, albeit this time a digital one, just like the first two films. Yes. The Halloween film is played twice in this movie. You both saw that. Once as an ad. Once again, which actually we'll get to in a bit. It's actually one of my favorite scenes when the score takes over for that moment. The third, Nancy Kyes, who plays Annie in the original 1978 film, plays the ex-wife in this movie named Linda. Linda was another one of Lori's friends in the original. Most importantly, though, and this is the one I'm most excited about. Dick Warlock is in this movie. Dick Warlock played Michael Myers in Halloween 2. And in this movie, he's the assassin. So he's the one who decapitates Starker. And he's the one that Tom Atkins punches through the stomach of. Oh. What's really cool, though, is that when they're talking about, like, the motion and, like, the way this assassin moves in the movie, he developed that from Michael Myers, from his time in that role. He said that this character, the assassin, is a more subdued uh, Michael Myers without a mask. I know Alexis is excited about this one. Jamie Lee Curtis has two uncredited cameos. 
One once is the phone operator uh, when the call cannot be completed as dialed, fucked up phones, and another time is the PA announcer for curfew. Oh my gosh! I wow. love that. Um, I was watching it on Amazon, and then I was clicking just like I had to pause because I was watching it on my phone, so I paused it and then um, wrote my notes on like my notes app. But then I went back when I paused it. It has the like X ray on there, and I was like, "No way! Yes way! This is awesome!" Another layer there for you in the fog. Jamie Lee Curtis plays a younger woman who also hooks up with Tom Atkins' old ass. Uh, she's a gross hitchhiker and sleeps with him. So there you go. He's not handsome. He's not. There is, though, a thematic connection that fits this film. And this film's focus on Samhain and Halloween, too. Back in Halloween, too, Michael broke into the school and wrote Samhain on the board. Uh, a couple more here. When Daniel throws a mask over the security camera, we see footage where the camera can only see out of the mask's eyes. That was a stylistic nod to the opening scene of the original. Oh, so Duh. good. Also, best throw ever. Yeah, it was. He landed that shit real good. So fun fact there. Tommy Lee Wallace knew that shit was not going to be easy because once before they started doing everything, he jokingly just threw it up. there, like, yeah, I want you to do this. And it landed perfectly. And he was like, fuck, I just jinxed it. Took over 40 takes for that to happen. <laughs> yep. I'm not surprised. A few quick fire things here. Dr. Castle, it's mentioned in the hospital. That's a reference to Nick Castle, who played The Shape in the 1978 film. The hospital shots, I mean, come on. You can't look at those hospital scenes and not see Michael Myers' Halloween 2. Dr. Chalice also orders a dose of Thorazine for Harry, which Dr. Loomis wanted Michael Myers to take in the original. And then the last but not least, the intersection where Dr. Chalice calls Linda and cancels his plan with the kid before he grabs that six-pack of beer and heads into the car with Ellie. That's also featured in Halloween 2. It's when Karen gets a ride to the hospital to go to work at night. And we had like the guy with the cowboy hat in the boom box. So, so nice. I love this. Thank you, Chris. And y'all gave it a hack. <laughs> Whatever. I stand beside what I said. I don't feel any differently. Heathens. I am curious, Paris, was any of that the thing that you learned while watching this movie? No, <laughs> it wasn't. Please tell us. So there's a point in this movie where you kind of get a peek behind the curtains of what's going on. And they say, oh, we stole this piece of Stonehenge. And I remember them like that being like a news bullet earlier in the movie. And I was like, that looks really big. And then I was like, how big is Stonehenge? Oh, no. And I Googled it. And it turns out it's a lot larger than I thought it was. It's like a significant size. That's like its thing. <laughs> yeah. I always thought it was like maybe like six feet tall, which is why when people were always like marveling over like, how did people build Stonehenge? I was like, I don't know. It doesn't seem that hard. <laughs> you also built pyramids. <laughs> yeah. Like my mind was kind of blown. I was like, wow, Stonehenge is huge. Yeah. There's like not much to it aside from the fact that it's huge. It's like its main attraction is the size. I had no idea. They don't talk about the size. <laughs> I think they're like 13 feet high. There you go. I was going to say 12. Yeah, about that. Wow, that's crazy. That's like eight of me. <laughs> <laughs> what? I would like to... I would like to note Paris. Stonehenge is like kind of an obscure thing. Like it's not, but at the same time, knowing about it really serves you absolutely no purpose in this world. So don't feel that bad. I appreciate that. It's uh, it's not like you didn't learn how to tell analog time. Hey, hey, <laughs> hey. 
saying. <laughs> I'm just saying it's something we don't even need at this point. You're right. You have an Apple Watch. This is true. But going back to those Halloween connections, I, I said it just a moment ago, but that moment when Dan is tied up in the chair before he breaks free, when he has a mask on and Halloween is playing, when that room fills with that score, and it's the moment where Lori has just left her own house, the Doyle residence, to go check on Annie. That music perfectly underscored the mood of that scene, and it used it in a completely different way that I absolutely loved. That's a really good point, Chris. I didn't even think about it like that, but you're totally right. For me, my my favorite scene was actually a really random kind of throwaway scene. It's when Daniel is kind of exploring the factory, and there's like a door at the end of the hallway, and I'm like, okay, what the fuck's going to be on the other side of this door? But I got to say, I did not expect a robotic colonial woman to be on the other side of that door. And she was. And knitting at that. Knitting. <laughs> Made in the 1700s. Uh-huh. And you know, it totally like triggered my fear of like creepy dolls mm. because I was like, I don't like that old looking bitch one bit. Her face isn't moving right. Something's wrong there. And then they kind of just, it, it broke and fell apart and that was the end of it. But that, that was actually the part of the movie that scared me the most. Mm. It was mostly sad because it seemed like he had so much hope. He was like, help me, help me. And she's just knitting away. Being spooky as fuck. Paris, I also have a very obscure favorite scene. And I honestly, I'm not even sure why. And I think it's because I just got kind of enamored with these masks at the beginning. And it's just the kids riding around on the, in the neighborhood. Like we have, um, you know, someone riding by in a mask on the longboard and just like, seeing kids out it's that like halloween vibe that you just want you know also the vibe you want right now because no one's out (laughs) exactly i just want freedom um for me it was just like i I don't know that's the thing that i want from an 80s horror movie is like this like fun halloween feeling that's what i that's what i expect and that's what you get in the beginning of this especially being so centered around kids which sounds creepy, but it is what it is. <laughs> I, yeah, I love the mass and I just like that little bit where they're showing what the city's like or what the area's like. I'm going to continue on with the masks, but I actually like the part where, you know, Cochran's giving them this tour of the facility and they're like Ooh. showing the masks being made. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, that's actually just like really interesting. You never really think about like Halloween masks being made, but it kind of shows that like he had to go through all this mundane work of having a factory and producing all this stuff and creating these magic emitting laser microchip things and then implanting them in these masks. This is like a really well thought out, really deep plan that he had to put into place here. But I don't know. It was just kind of cool to like see that he could just bring them into this factory and not be scared that they're going to be like, oh, this is where you're planning to kill everyone because he had it all in the wraps. So you um, appreciate all that hard you know, effort that he's been giving and, you know, he, he's super patient, correct? American jobs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like how it's made, but Halloween edition. <laughs> there you go. I too, um, and I mentioned it when I gave my score, was just the, the scenes where the kids are walking around. And it just reminds me, like, it, it gives me, like, the greatest vibes because I just, I, like, have such very vivid memories of, like, Halloween and walking around it being fall and then in ohio you had to wear like extra clothing because it was and you had to ruin your costume as opposed to not wearing clothing yeah you could never be slutty on halloween i mean not that i was trying to be slutty when i was like 12 or 13 you gotta like adjust your costume because of how cold it is like you can't wear like short things and like tights you gotta yeah you gotta or you wear like long johns under them and look so stupid yeah yeah exactly exactly i remember other favorite scene would definitely be when they're the Halloween commercial, which I 
also when I talked to gave my score, I said it wasn't my favorite because I kind of wish it was like in the universe where it was Michael Myers is actually a killer out. That's a, I thought they would take that approach instead of a, a actually being like a Halloween is a movie in this like in this chapter, well, which I thought was a different take. It is. But, you know, what's cool about that is Michael Myers in that first movie before like he takes a supernatural turn later on. It kind of makes you afraid of the little boy next door, right? Like, you know, you can't outrun your fears. He's always moving. It could be anyone, perfectly normal looking kid. This movie, though, points out that, hey, sometimes it's not going to be a serial killer that gets you. Sometimes it's just fucking corporations. Capitalism strikes again. Also terrifying. <laughs> Isn't it usually? I need a mashup. I need a combination of the both where Michael Myers is a robot or android who's been programmed by a large corporation to go out and hunt and kill people. Oh, I do not want that movie. <laughs> yeah. I want I want a multiverse anthology series for Halloween. Yeah. Don't just you wait, buddy. We're going to get to, we're going to see some weird shit in Halloween 6. <laughs> <laughs> but you guys mentioned that Halloween commercial and the Silver Shamrock jingle was one of my favorite parts of this movie period. Specifically the graphics in the beginning where it shows like the lines forming of the pumpkin and everything just kind of loading up. I absolutely love that. No, that definitely was mine too. I had that down. Yeah, the opening credits where it's like the jack-o'-lantern and it's just, and to me it was like foreshadowing too in the movie. So I, I, I definitely, we have a favorite love over here, Chris. <laughs> wow, look at you guys bonding. For me, it's this town. I loved it. I loved how creepy it was. I loved the cameras everywhere. And then like the curfew, that was such a strange moment and then we get all these different weird characters and strange people of course like the family and everything showing up that's chaotic everyone's chaotic in this town honestly and I, I just for me that was something like like I said like everything that I loved about this movie was like Paris said like outside of the main focus like tertiary was the phrase you use and and it really is like that's all the stuff that I loved and I love all the little little creepy dudes wandering around you know don't be doing stuff you ain't supposed to do after 6 p.m. Which is very early curfew. <laughs> Speaking of dark, I love the shots in the dark with the automatons killing people like in an alleyway. And it just, I don't know, maybe it was the lighting. Maybe it was like the color. Something just had a feel of being like really like 1980s at night. I felt like someone should be delivering a pizza on a bicycle somewhere in this in mm -hmm. this time period. Lots of rim lighting. No, I, I love that you point out the darkness and the use of shadows, specifically when Dick Warlock, as the assassin, he sneaks up on Tom Atkins' character and they, you know, kind of things kind of escalate and throws him into the other room. It just gave me this quick flashback to Michael Myers emerging from the shadows in Halloween 2 uh, when the nurse comes in and finds Dr. Mixer with a fucking needle in his eye. The shadows in this movie are exceptional. Like Dean Cundy strikes again. Yeah, Chris, there was definitely some really great tones and details in those shadows, which I fully appreciated. Um, but I have to give my favorite visual element to our girl Betty and her wardrobe. Uh, we first see her and she's in this like purple jumpsuit with hair curlers. And I was like, okay, mom, I see you. And then her son just like gives her the finger. And I was like, that's funny. Um, and then we later see her just like touring this factory, even though she doesn't want to be there, uh, in this like lavender little house on the prairie get up. And I was just like, I don't know what movie you are in, lady, but I like it. It was the 80s family that like, like you could not put a more... 80s family in this movie than them you know like the rude kid 
the businessman dad, the dramatic housewife, what are you wearing lady? Like they're not like a fancy 80s family. They're like classic 80s, you know, real trash. Upper middle class. Trying to be upper middle class. Very middle class from what I expect. (laughs) That kid though was legit like the kid from Problem Child. Oh my God. I loved those back then. (laughs) I hated those movies with a passion and I was a child at the time. So much anxiety I bet was built in you. (laughs) It just like seems like a kid there you just want to knock them out as a fellow child at the time. And that's what that's kind of how Buddy Jr. was in this movie. Like, you just want to be a child again, so it's okay to knock them out. I mean, if these are your parents, I don't know what else you expect. That's true. I guess it's not his fault. <laughs> Actually, speaking of terrible kids, do you guys remember how this kid, they were in the town and they had the kid's bike thrown or something? Okay. That's where this movie lost me. I was like, where where are these pointless scenes coming from? You know, and then there's like, I, I don't know, like, the doctor and the girl fooling around in bed. I just didn't get what this had to do with any character development. Well, there wasn't much, but maybe they just threw it in. But to me, like when they were visiting the town at first and like doing all this investigation, I was like, this is not ID channel. And also he's a doctor and she's just an obscure yeah, person exactly. who lost her, her father. Exactly. And I was like, okay, he's, is just a doctor. You are not a detective, but you're giving off vibes like you are one. He went into full James Bond mode. <laughs> Even sleeping with a chick. Like. Exactly. <laughs> Wait a second. Where did that come from, though? Because I was like, all right, I'm going to join you on this journey because I feel like I'm entangled. And I didn't put together that like he grabbed beers to go on the trip with her. I was like, wait, when did he like, oh, I'm going to grab some beers. And when they get there, he's like, I go get something to drink. Why are you getting so drunk? Well, one, he's an alcoholic, clearly. By the way, he shows up to greet his children being drunk. Yep. And two, Linda was smart for leaving his ass. Yes, clearly. I feel like as soon as they had a plan to go do something, he was like, "Mm, you know what I'm here for. (laughs) Like, he does not actually care about solving this. Okay. Yeah, that was their dynamic together was single handedly the worst part of the fucking movie to me. Yeah, I fully agree. Um, It it was just, I've said this so many times, it just didn't do what I needed it to do. Like, I'm down for a romantic interest, but this one was just like, why? And also awkward and also felt like inappropriate being that her father just died and they're trying to figure it out. Anyway, I digress. The best part of the movie for me is what they did, like going to this creepy little town. I loved that. Going to this creepy little factory with these creepy masks that are awesome. And I've never even considered that something would be in the mask to kill people or attack people or spread bugs on them. I don't know. It's still uncertain about what the masks do exactly because they don't really know either. But that part of the movie was amazing. And like, I, I like that. I just didn't like what we did to get there. And and like, I don't know. It was just something I was, I, well, I mean, it's just that the characters were just meh, in my opinion. Speaking of not liking getting there, the whole sound thing, I didn't understand the reference. I wasn't quite sure what this like plot had to do with anything related to pagan rituals, you know, predating Halloween. But I do love the end result of, we're literally going to like attack so many people all at once because you again you just don't get like that big of a target in so many you know so many Halloween movies so many horror movies so many I mean movies of this type where it's like the end result of this is all over the country like millions of people are about to like get their heads 
lasered and bugs and snakes and things (laughs) attacking everybody. It's magic. They're about to get the magic to to death. And like that just like that scale is so massive. It's it's kind of crazy. I don't know. I like watching movies where the bad guy wins for a little bit and you get to see that kind of happen. I don't know why, but I'm just kind of sad we didn't get to see that happen at the end of this movie. We got to see like a little bit of it and we got to see the fear of it occurring. But the part leading up to it was a bit weird for me and a bit convoluted. But when we get to the end where he's like on the phone with him, like begging and pleading, almost like he's feeling that like true dread. And I, I just love that. On that note, I know I just said my best part, but I just have to say something really quick. What does Stonehenge have anything to do with what this man said? What is Mr. Conkren is not the witch that I want. I don't understand his witchiness. It's not, listen, I'm not saying we need a witch hat and a green face and a wart on the nose, but I'm just saying like, this is not a witch. And also what is the rock? It means nothing. It has no relation to anything happening in this movie, unless I'm missing something. It's just there. They just say it and we're like, okay. It's fiction and it's vaguely Celtic. Yes. Okay. So once again, they just say it and we agree. I mean, that's all movies though, ever. They just say it and we agree. Like it's, (laughs) that's kind of how it works. There's like an amount of logic involved where like, I, I don't even understand there's like all these people standing at the rock, like just, I don't know, chipping away at it the whole time. And then, but what was in the actual thing was like a computer chip. And I just don't understand. Anyway, I'm done. I'm going to go back to my best part that the story was great. This this entire time, I've just been imagining literally like the rock, the actor. <laughs> just chipping away at the rock. Just laying there just being like, you don't chip away at the rock. He has powers that could maybe explain the rest of this movie. Listen, if there's one thing I do know about Stonehenge, it's that it has laser beam magic. You're right. I will say for all the the crap we've given this movie, um, I really appreciated how bold it was and how it like dared to try something so far off from what had been successful. Um, I understand that like that was their original plan all along, but to do something that was like such an unexpected smash hit and then still be so committed to the original vision that you like went ahead and did this like props to you um and i love that they were able to keep the attention to detail and the focus on like the the little things and the nuances like the the tertiary stuff that i've really enjoyed i love that they were able to bring that from the first two halloween movies into this because it did overall make it still feel like it fit within the halloween universe pretty successfully Ooh, i love that take that's great i do want to say just one thing about the stonehenge stuff Think about any circuitry that's in any piece of technology. These are all materials that we harvest and produce, right? So they're all they're doing is harvesting this fictitious magic from a real thing okay. that is associated with the lore. I'll roll with it. Consider my disbelief suspended. I know I said a minute ago that the dynamic between Ellie and Daniel was the worst part of this movie for me. But one of the other elements of that is the fact that she is just so unceremoniously dispatched in this movie to the point where we can't even definitively say she died. But they just made an automaton in her in her image. That's all they did. They snatched her away and they built a robot to look like her. In 30 seconds. Did they though? Or was she a robot from the jump? Are you a robot? She wasn't. She noticeably changed and didn't and didn't speak once he like got her up. Oh, see, I thought she was just a robot the whole time. And that's the only way they could explain the fact that she would do any of this with him. Oh, no. Because she was like a robot <laughs> sent to lure him here. If only, but I don't think they gave a shit about him. I think if anything, he was a more he was more of an inconvenience to their ultimate plan. I don't think they actually care who Daniel Chalice is. She was like, they programmed me to love Tom Selleck, but I guess he's here, so I'll just roll with it. A hundred percent. But that that point where she reveals herself to be the enemy now, 
she attacks him and then he beats her and is like ripping her apart. But then she just keeps fucking coming back and it's just the most absurd thing that dragged down that whole fucking ending for me. You were talking about something that just felt like it went on forever. And I was like, man, I don't know what she's talking about. But man, I know what you're talking about. Because <laughs> they went for like the the loose arm kill, right? So the he gets back in the car and then the arm that's still in the car attacks him. And it's like, okay, cool. Kind of, a, kind of saw it coming, but like, all right, we're rolling with it. But then it happens again the exact same way but with a torso <laughs> attached and i was just like okay we just did that we didn't need to do it again thank you we get like a two minute fight sequence with each individual limb like her body parts have their own scenes like they can be credited <laughs> body parts and she's bringing her teddy along yeah that is that something you pack when you're on like a spontaneous trip to go investigate things is like you know what i know we're going on this trip to somewhere in california let me throw my teddy in there you never know what's gonna happen just in case honestly that's a move i'd make you know what she was there for once again she was programmed for tom Selleck. she knew what to show up for it is when you're a sex robot who's designed to do just this like she didn't give a shit about her dad at all at all even in the opening scene she's like hey do you know anything about my dad no okay let's fuck and go to this hotel yeah and it only made sense to me when i found out she was a robot so i'm like still gagged that she wasn't actually a robot during the first half i mean make your own reality don't let your dreams be dreams how can our dreams be real if our eyes aren't real okay <laughs> but aside from the weird shit happening between the two of them i think the characters were otherwise okay yeah like the you know buddy and family were annoying as shit but they were intended to be but i don't know that this is a movie that i'm going to remember for its characters yeah totally i think i'm just going to remember it for its imagery I don't even think the acting is bad in this because I just watched something very similar to Things Killing the other mm. day. It's the a new American Pie movie. Oh, gosh. Sorry, I had to break up the horror movies for a second, <laughs> and I threw that one on because I was like, oh, it's top 10 in the, in the U.S. Uh, for Ooh. a reason because there's many men probably that one were like, oh, Amer I don't know. Don't, was, trust, don't trust Americans. <laughs> so... You break up your horror movies with a new American Pie movie, and I break up my horror movies by watching every fucking Twilight movie back to back to back. <laughs> well, I've already done that recently, like a few months ago, I feel like. It's about that time of year. And I judge you all. For the general crap show that most of these characters were, I feel like we're kind of overlooking a really great character in Teddy, the gorgeous redheaded medical examiner who seemed to be the only one pulling her weight in this whole mystery. This is accurate. Although she was a little slow on getting to the point that there's only only gears and stuff in her evidence. I mean, the bureaucracy was to blame for that. She was like two cutscenes away from like figuring out that it was robots without even going to the town to see the robots herself. She was she was trying to call the sheriff. I think she already figured it out. Yeah, but she to me, there was some disconnect because she was just staring at the pieces and all of a sudden her eyes got big. And I was like, but what is she? Is she just realizing this now? Like, this I'm is, confused on why she's looking at one thing. This is what they do in the 80s to let you know that a character figures something out. They just stare at it for a couple minutes and you go, oh, they must know. It's cheesy. She also felt like pretty lived in and. Obviously, there's some kind of history between her and our Ben Affleck knockoff, but I felt like she was like the most like relatable and tangible of all of the characters that were forced to interact with him. Yeah, I'd like to note Dr. Dan was sleeping with every person he met ever, every single person. I don't even know that he's sleeping with them, but he's for sure fondling them and trying to charm them. He's he's somethinging them. He's something. It wasn't okay. When he gropes the nurse's ass... 
It's just you deserve so many lawsuits. She had such a good line because she's like, stop playing. I play for keeps. And like, <laughs> I loved that. It was so freaking good. It's just one of those things. And and I will say that that interaction, I feel like is realistic with that type of man and in this type of work environment with like nurses and stuff. Um and I, oh my God, I loved, I love that line so much. I play for keeps like, girl, go Me ahead. Me too. She just like grabs his ass right back and she's like, oh, yeah. don't play around because you could get it. Yes. We're not playing games over here. Okay. <laughs> As the person that always points out the fact that you always get boobs in horror movies, I would like to note the boob, the nipple was hidden well in this movie. And also it made me consider how do you feel about being married to a woman who has her nipple kissed by somebody else on TV? It's an awkward moment. Actors have a weird experience in this world. Because, I mean, I don't know that she's married. But just imagine, someone else is married to her. It's like, it's sucking my titty. (laughs) (laughs) How about a sex scene where they're all naked on top of each other? But my thing is, I feel like with sex scenes, I feel like it's like sterilized and fake to a degree. Mm -hmm. But like, mm, sucking on a nipple is a sucking on a nipple. And this is where my brain goes during things like this. Unless it's a prosthetic nipple. Like something they just kind of like... Uh, patch on like a prosthetic face she is a robot so maybe new band name i call it robotic nipple (laughs) prosthetic nipple (laughs) i mean we even got tom atkins like bare ass and i didn't want to see it oh my god that was so gross it was so flat and also flabby without being like him being like particularly overweight or anything it's not like he's out of shape for his age but it was just not an appealing look and it's like the most narrowest hips you could imagine he's like a a triangle I have great news. I miss that scene and I'm so happy. And I am as unhappy about his character not being Tom Selleck as I am without seeing his butt. So imagine how much worse it would be. <laughs> yeah. But for as much grief as I gave the characters in this ending, his portrayal at the end, this like frantic desire to get the commercial off the air was pretty great. Those alternate endings that I was talking about. There are a few, but the most notable one is the movie was supposed to cut visually, but the screams of thousands of children were supposed to be heard over the credits to show that he did not succeed. And I would have fucking loved that. Oh, oh, I would have loved that. Why'd they cut that out? That seems super easy to keep in. They wanted to keep it ambiguous. But it's not really ambiguous. I mean, children screaming is still pretty ambiguous. Like, what we get, though, I mean, the the flashing of the pumpkin starts, which is supposedly what starts the uh, lasers and or crickets. Nobody knows. <laughs> so, I mean, what we get is not that ambiguous. I feel like we could have gone for the screams. Just give it to me. Let us let us feel whole. Do you think in spite of that omission, you would ever watch this again? Perhaps if you would watch this again and then imagine the screams of children, put have a little soundboard next to you. Oh my god. No, that is what you would do. <laughs> You're the soundboard lady. I I would not seek to rewatch this. In 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 my life, I think I'm good with once. But if it was on, I wouldn't be mad. Well, we clearly know I will be watching it definitely next year for sure. I'd watch it with you. Oh, okay. That's all though. <laughs> well, thank you with our pumpkin beer. Yeah, exactly. Okay, there we go. I have a feeling this is kind of like the Phantom Menace, like it's okay out of order. You know, you should watch it kind of like, so Star Wars, a lot of people just say, just ignore the Phantom Menace, or you can change the order of Star Wars movies and and, and watch them in that way. So it's, I think it's kind of like that, like take it out of order, like make it through all the Halloween films and then like watch this so that all those films are technically inside of the cinematic universe inside of this movie or something. Mm, yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe then I would rewatch it is, is in a different, in, in a machete order for, for Halloween. 
Oh, yeah. I need to curate some different uh, watch methods for this franchise. Uh, for me, this lands as a possible uh, seasonal background pick, uh, but that's it. Mm, yeah, I mean, I would watch this again. I'm not super big on the lighthearted Halloween stuff. Like, I did just rewatch Hocus Pocus recently. <laughs> uh, I think I would put this above Hocus Pocus. Hocus Pocus is incredible. I'm not dogging it at all. Uh, Yeah, it is. <laughs> I would put this above Hocus Pocus on the seasonal watch list. But what I'm more curious about is what Mac has up his sleeve for Factor Fiction. I'm about to take these sleeves off, son. Are you Larry the Cable Guy? <laughs> <laughs> Not What's the happening? shirt. I'm just going to rip the sleeves off of the shirt. But Do it. Aside from doing rewrites on the film and providing a score, good old John Carpenter makes a cameo in the film, much like he does in the original Halloween. This time around, though, he provides the voice of the announcer in the Silver Shamrock commercials. This is a fact. Alexa seemed to be confident, so I'm going with fact. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're cheating. Yep. I'm cheating off of this test, too. Sometimes you just need help. Cheating gets you into bad predicaments because this is not a fact. It's fiction. <gasps> uh, betrayal. Damn, I really didn't know. I thought it said he was in it. Damn, you sold that shit. The voice of the announcer in the commercials and radio spots is that of the film's writer-director, Tommy Lee Wallace. You got yourself. I see what you did there. He also made the original Michael Myers mask for the 1978 film. Skills to pay the bills. Let's talk more about Tommy Lee. He originally wanted the automaton henchman to be played exclusively by gingers, redheaded actors. Oh, I'm into that. I'm going fact. Fiction. I'm going to say fact too because they were really leaning into the Irish element of it all and it seemed like there was no reason behind that. Yeah, it was pretty offensive. And as it turns out, it's a fact. So they couldn't find enough and they had to just find the ones that they went in with and get some, you know, extras cast in there as well. Extras and Dick Warlock. They couldn't find enough people with red hair. Yeah. There's so little to that they had to do. <laughs> oh my God, get some wigs. Well, let's talk more about other people this time. Good old Wendy Westberg. The beautiful Teddy, Wendy Westberg, had a pretty rough time during this production since she was actually harmed on the set. The extra with the drill caught her hair in it, causing Tommy Lee Wallace to lose his trust in him. Uh, uh, fiction. Fact. So many details. Yeah, I'm saying fiction. This sounds like something Mac would make up. You're wrong, because it's a fact, son. <sighs> so Tommy Lee Wallace ended up having to kind of straddle her and play the killer for that scene. Between this and a couple other instances where she was held up and, and had to be paid overtime, she actually said she was able to pay her health insurance for two years. I'm sorry, what? Cash that check, girl. Don't you want that kind of overtime? What was happening on this set? <laughs> well, anytime that, you know, you have to hold somebody up uh, because you have to redo things and not harm them and maybe not drill into their head and stuff, you know, they make a little money. <laughs> Speaking of health insurance, one of those times Wendy was held on set was because Tom Atkins couldn't show up. He actually had pneumonia during the production of this film. Fiction. Man, we're really really in deep here. I'm just going to toss a coin and go fact. I'm going to say fiction, despite the fact that it looks like he did have pneumonia through the whole thing. <laughs> That's a great guess because it is actually a fact. Because of that pneumonia, the production crew had to rearrange much of the shoot to keep Tom away from other people because pneumonia can be contagious. The last scene filmed for the movie was the bedroom scene with Stacey Nelkin, who played Ellie. Fiction. I'm going to say fiction too because they like to get those things done early in filming typically do they i'm gonna go fact well it was a fiction it's actually one of the first things they filmed together which made it completely awkward yet hilarious for them and ironically tom atkins real wife at the time was garn stevens who played marge 
dying a couple runes over in the motel. I stand by my comments about how weird actors are. <laughs> and he was like fully boning everybody in the cast and the crew. Let's, let's talk about fully boning cast and crew. Okay. Because Tommy Lee Wallace's actual wife plays Linda Chalice in the film. Fiction. 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 I don't know why. It's a fact. Oh my God. <laughs> Horrible tonight. Yeah, we all just ran with it. <laughs> it's okay. I think we did pretty well. And if you guys had a pumpkin mask on, I would run the other way. I would take the little coin out the back and still rock it because it's a cool mask. You could probably throw it into a vending machine and get get some soda out of there. There you go. I fully plan on purchasing a few of these masks. I actually collect horror figurines and I recently bought a set uh, specifically for Halloween 3 Season of the Witch. I'm so excited to crack it open. But there you have it, folks. This is a one that's been on the schedule for a little while now and finally got around to it. This is originally going to be our Halloween movie this year. But when Halloween Kills got postponed until 2021... We thought we can't have a Halloween without Michael Myers. So we'll see you. We'll see you next episode for Halloween for the return of Michael Myers. Until then, Halloween three season of the witches earned three hacks and two slashes. We've talked about a lot here and it doesn't end here by any means. I think there's still a lot of questions that a lot of us have. So we want to know what you think. Keep in mind, there are a number of ways you can reach out to us, starting with our website, hackerslash.com. And on our Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. And if you have a sick mask you want to show us, you can hit us up at our hackerslash hotline. You can text us, call us, leave us a voicemail or an audio message uh, verbally describing the mask. Our number is 757-606-0128. And if like me, you're an android, maybe you used to be a henchman, but now you're trying to live a better life and get to a zen place. Send us an email to feedback at hackerslash.com. And if you've enjoyed listening to our podcast, consider becoming one of our patrons. You can visit patreon.com slash hacker slash to earn cool perks for as low as $1 a month. We'll see you next time. Um.